Welcome back to the Morning Coffee podcast, the Ancient World Morning Coffee podcast. Uh, this is the first one of the year, and it's the first one in a very long time. Uh, this is going to be very laid back and more like a, a morning coffee live stream kind of show. Uh, we're doing it in part because we now have the Burning Phoenix podcast, uh, usually every Wednesday and Saturday. But sometimes we have more stuff we wanted to share and talk about, and then in a little bit more... Uh, just conversational kind of vibe to it. So we're going to try using the morning coffee podcast to that for that purpose. And also hope you're having a great day and a good start of the new year into the third week. This is a bit special up here in the north of England because, first of all, it's a beautiful day, blue skies, sunny, kind of half mild and just like a paradise winter fairy tale view out of side of the window here and towards the mountains. And also because today is the day when the daylight in this like around 55 degrees north is eight hours. So there's something about when the daylight, you have daylight for more than eight hours, it feels more like a normal day. If it's less, which is about two months in this in this part of, of the of Britain, uh, it's just a little bit different because it gets dark early and the energy levels are just a bit lower in general. So there's a it's kind of a joy just getting out of that period, uh, even if that is also sort of a, a very nice time to just relax, uh, do more reading, make it like cozy inside and enjoy this kind of half hibernation feeling of just kind of <laughs> uh, enjoying the, the, the being at home inside and doing the cozy stuff. But again, it's a joy when you get the, the energy back. So we wanted to talk about, uh, yeah, also the morning coffee. So we are having coffee. We are, we're making with the cafeteria. We have also recently got a new, um, so this is going to be very rambling. <laughs> I got a new uh, espresso, uh, like this, um, this uh, mocha, this original Italian espresso uh, kettle maker thing, which is fantastic. So we're using that on some days. And then we're using also just the cafeteria on other days with the Starbucks house blend. And a funny thing, because we went the other day to the one Starbucks that is in this little town and they didn't have filter coffee. And it's a little bit like <laughs> Starbucks was founded in Seattle for coffee <laughs> and strong coffee. And now they don't have filter coffee anymore. They just have Americano, which is not the same. Uh, many people love it, but in a sense, Americano is a little bit like taking, uh, just like an analogy, taking whiskey and put a, a lot of water in it and call it wine. It's not the same drink. So filter coffee has more substance to it. It just tastes differently. And uh, and yeah, that's what we want. So now we can make that at home instead. But it was a bit strange yesterday <laughs> or on Tuesday, I think. Anyway, so that was the coffee and the weather. And then we want to talk about two things for like a bit of like a brain, brain food as well. There's a really nice clip by Ian McGilchrist uh, that came out six days ago. It's called The Finding Greater Wisdom. It's just eight minutes, 7.40. And um, he sums up his thoughts about nature and uh, this new uh, condition that has been described as as uh, people having a deficit of nature, which just has all sorts of uh, psychological and bodily and health effects, uh, all negative ones done. So uh, just a tribute to nature and the importance of nature, which we will 
hugely subscribed to. We've, we've been living in big cities and uh, have big towns and small villages in nature. And being close to nature is is something special. It just makes you see the world and life differently in part because you're a little bit, both you have more of the the beauty of it, but also it's a living environment and it has like the seasons and the shifting, uh, just the changes and, and this kind of organic living sense of nature is uh, is a beautiful thing to, to gradually become more of a part of and just to appreciate. So, and especially here with mountains as well as for, for some people that is a, 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 something extra beautiful. So McGilchrist talks about nature and he also talks about uh, the the need to belong to like a, a group or community and uh, in a sense of culture. And then also uh, what he talks about as the sacred is also uh, has proven beneficial health effects. So we're going to put a link to that in the description. And then as the second thing we wanted to talk about is that we are rereading the first volume of John Strickland's Paradise and Utopia, The Rise and Fall of What the West Once Was. So the first book then, The Age of Paradise, is about the first thousand years from the Pentecost, which is then uh, the moment when, like in the biblical stories, the Holy Spirit came down on the, the apostles. Uh, that marks then the, the beginning of Christendom, in the Orthodox tradition at least. And Penta is, is five, so Pentecost is, is, has a relation to 50 because you had uh, the like you had the resurrection after three days and then there were, you had 40 days when uh, like with together with the apostles and then seven days after that the Holy Spirit descended. So uh, but what we wanted to talk about is one of the claims in the book and his, his whole series about the 2,000 years of European history is that like the spiritual, uh, let's call it substance, contents, the message during the first millennia is very different from what developed in the Western Christendom through first Roman Catholicism and then later Protestantism. Uh, for Strickland, it's a bit like this glowing, beating heart and energy and joy and paradise, like inside of you, the imminent part, was there the first thousand years. It's still there in the Greek Orthodox tradition. Uh, but it was gradually lost in the Western Christendom, is his claim. And this is something we've been thinking about now for a couple of years almost, uh, since starting reading this whole four-volume history work. Uh, it's, it's good to have a clear uh, argument and as like a standpoint, and then it's someday it will be interesting to see some like a, one more in the Catholic tradition, a comment on his work from a really kind of a, maybe also a scholarly perspective but for now it's just we are uh, we have become familiar with the argument and we appreciate a lot just learning more about the history so what is a bit striking is that from the first and second century as Strickland describes it the Christendom had like four main pillars and we're just going to run through them quickly but just and just notice that three of them have been lost in the Western Christendom largely, but they're still there in the Greek Orthodox. And they're also there in Dante. So this is interesting. So the first one is doctrinal integrity, which is about that, uh, like the doctrines you had should not be uh, too, like shouldn't be mixed and blended out with uh, Greek mythology and Greek pagandom, for example. 
this has later been like viewed differently that you can have that as early kind of steps towards something, but it shouldn't be the whole of it. And it, there's a difference between the spiritual wisdom in the biblical stories compared to the profane philosophy and insight and wisdom in Greek mythology, for example. So, and you can see this in Dante, how, how he organizes this very beautifully together. So, but the first point, doctrinal integrity. The second is divine participation. Then you have heavenly imminence, and then you have spiritual transformation. So these three things are arguably uh, a very different view of the spiritual than what you can see in, in especially the Protestant, but also partly in the Catholic. But, but the Catholic is so wide and all-encompassing, so you have different versions of theology in it. So the idea of divine participation is this, in some sense, so now we're going to ramble a little bit more, but you might think of it as the, that you have the forces of good in the world, and if you are doing something good, you are being a part of that force or energy or kind of the spirit of the good, and that that in itself is something good and something you could strive towards, and that that's also something that will give you a reward in sense of meaning and in sense of, of just becoming a part of something that is valuable and positive. So this idea of participation, just the word participation is very, very important. For some people that will be very strange because you can't participate in something divine that is, that is way beyond and outside of yourself. But the idea is more, again, to, to place yourself within some of these forces for good. You could also be like the forces for truth or for, um, for wisdom or for love. And then all of these will be then the participation and the idea of increasing participation this is also then, then like the journey, the whole journey in Dante is that you, you learn more and more about this and you become more and more uh, a happy person through both the, the, the rewards of this, but also that you actually see the world more clearly, you understand it better, and you also have a different awareness of, of a purpose for your own life and that it's, re again, rewarding to to place yourself within the force for good, for example, in, in that's just one example of it. So that is the participation. The imminence is just like that you can, you can sense it inside of you, that you have an inner spiritual world. And then the transformation part is that like that will change how you see the world as well, because it will become a permanent presence. It's tempting to just constantly refer to Dante here, but but it's a bit like the moon image in in Paradiso that you had. You kind of you see two things at the same time. You could also connect this to the brain hemispheres that you have kind of both your your right and your left hemisphere active at the same time and and working together to to have kind of a dual. It's not a dual, but it is a. Um, it is a united outlook, but it is it has two components. So uh, that way of having a sense of the spiritual living or active within you through the whole day is is uh, is a different way than thinking that you can be spiritual at a certain time slot during the week, for example, and then the rest is kind of not there. Okay, so that's uh, that's in the first chapter called the dawn of christendom so um i think that's enough for like just some input for for contemplation for pondering and um again it's a it's a great book to read 
even more now the second time because now we're familiar with the whole full argument that a part of this first book is to to explain how things were in the first millennia and these are things that we never have heard about <laughs> uh, until a few years ago and it definitely belongs in the bigger conversation and then you also have ideas like the reaction to like what happens with the papal reforms and this negative theology that comes uh, like just pessimistic uh, and not negative outlook theology that comes through many of the popes and like the misery of man and all of these things uh, that the reactions with for example the renaissance was an uh, and an honest effort to create something positive and a, a rejection of this view that that the earthly life is so negative uh, which is it's understandable uh, even strickland himself said in the interview that he will probably have reacted the same way petrarch did uh, to look for the positive and then this idea of the humanism like which is not the humanism that puts not the prideful <laughs> hubristic humanism but that just like you elevate the human to be something that more like this idea of the divinification of the human or that we can uh, aspire to something much greater so the idea that i've seen many places now is that if the greek orthodox um, theology or kind of this this view and approach and apprehension of the spiritual life had been known at that point uh, and also for example to luther european western european history could have looked very different so that's something to to ponder both in the sense of this what if kind of history but also where we are right now in the beginning of the kind of the third millennium uh, both like a new century but also a new millennium and then to ponder like what does this insight and and, uh, and information and kind of the reality of this spirit other kind of spiritual um, we say concept but like uh, approach or experience can influence where we go from here and what we kind of what we possibly or potentially could recreate from here okay so that was 14 minutes we had planned for maybe two minutes or three minutes so uh but this is the laid back morning coffee podcast so we are uh, giving ourselves a bit of slack just to ramble and we're going to keep it more focused on the burning phoenix which is then again uh, for the most part it's going to be wednesday and saturday and these ones are more like when when you have a super beautiful joyful day like today so we're gonna wrap it up here and just uh, hugely recommend giving Ian McIlchrist's uh, episode latest clip uh, a, a watch like seven and a half minutes and then just some f more food for thought and also a bit of uh, uh, like uh, empirical evidence proof data on on these things and what both uh, how to change things and different solutions. So with that, hope you still have a great day, a great coffee and also some nice weather perhaps. And uh, with that, see you again soon. Mm -hmm.